1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
0: And now, we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's
1: On American Family Radio. It is great to be back with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll open the phone lines up near the end of the show. Get your take on some of what we're going to discuss today. Speaking of um, AFA's Naughty or Nice list, what are your thoughts about the way people, I feel like people go to great lengths to avoid saying Christmas. Like yeah. I think yeah, it's, it, to me, it's just wonky. Right. Like to call something a holiday tree.
2: Right. I mean, come on. It don't even make like sense. Like what holiday? Right. <laughs> like, why don't, you know, like, I, it I'm even make like, sense. why
1: don't, like, why don't you call it like, you know, a holiday candle? Isn't it like a menorah? Like, isn't it a specific type? Like, isn't it associated with a specific type of holiday, a specific type of celebration? But, like, with Christmas, it's like these—I feel like you have contortionists who are just trying to avoid, right. um, I think, maybe in some ways, using Christ's
2: name. That's exactly or, what it is. Yeah. I mean, you, they're trying to not say Christ, but that's yeah. what this season, <laughs> you know, is about. That's And, and, and people— you know, make a lot of uh um I'm thinking about businesses, a lot of money during this time of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, not and not because people are doing their holiday shopping. Exactly. <laughs> it's because people are doing their Christmas shopping. We right. were um on, we man. were out of town this past week and we enjoyed some restful time um with our family. It's a wonderful time. I'm so grateful that we were able to do it. But we were in a place that they were celebrating. They had decorated and everything for Christmas. Right. And um this girl who was dressed up as like I think she was like an elf Santa helper, mm-hmm. and she walked by and and she said she said Happy Holidays.
0: <laughs>
1: I would be like and and so actually what I said to her was the same thing I said to the kettlebell uh, ringer, the Salvation Army worker outside of the grocery store. I said Merry Christmas, and then she said Merry Christmas. It's right, like she
2: said, you are Santa's helper. So maybe they they're taught like don't say. Merry Christmas! It's ridiculous. Not, if somebody says Merry Christmas, it's all right for you to say it back. But you don't <sighs> know right. how they're gonna, you know, respond. If you say Merry Christmas, they might, they might get triggered. <laughs> but, so but let them say it, and then you okay. say it back.
1: <laughs> okay, but all right, all right. Okay, well, well, let's just imagine that that is true, which it probably is. Okay, let's just imagine for a second that that's true. Let's say that they have been instructed: um, you don't say Merry Christmas until you know that the person is not hostile to Christmas. Here is my thing, though. If you're going full on Santa's elf, like Santa's elf helper, mm-hmm. like if that's what you're doing, um, what are you celebrating? You know what I mean? Like if a person is going to be triggered because you say Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. but you are dressed up representing Christmas, like everything that is associated with Christmas, I'm like, what, what do you think? Like is it, is it saying it that puts it over the top? Because my thought is maybe they want to rip your ears off. Cause you've got those fake pointed ears on, like,
2: yeah, like what? Right.
1: What is it about what is presented that maybe doesn't trigger people? Except that when you, I mean, that when you say it,
2: you can have Santa and all that stuff without, you know, Ooh, good
1: point. That is an excellent point. <laughs> so that's an excellent point. Will. you
2: know, they they can just say, no, it's the holidays, Whoa. and you know, but, but it don't make sense really. It, it it does not make sense. But at the huh. same time, I think we living in such a a time where everything has to be sanitized. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to trigger people, you know, and I think that's what happened. So she said, happy holidays. When you say Merry Christmas, then she Mm -hmm. said Merry Christmas because now it's safe. It's a safe space. It's safe to say Merry Christmas.
1: Let me say this, though, because I I think it was a Selah moment. The point that you just made, I think it was an excellent one. And I think that's often what is missed, that when you have all of the stuff associated with Christmas – you can have a lot of the stuff that even we Christians Mm -hmm. celebrate and make a big deal out of without having Christ. But to say Christmas is to acknowledge the one that we remember at this time. And I, I, you know, I think, I don't think that that should be something that we overlook. I think it is, it's really important for us to understand that the war on Christmas is not the war on tradition, right? Mm -hmm. It is the war on acknowledging that the reason we celebrate and not to sound cliche, it just, it happens to rhyme, but the reason that we celebrate this season, mm-hmm. Kerr Franklin, um, <laughs> the reason, the reason that we celebrate this season is because of <laughs> the celebration of the birth of our savior. And I think, you know, here's the thing, even as we look at people trying to, as you say, sanitize or even dechristianize things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, I think that Christians have to be, careful and be aware that we're not doing that. You know, right. we get all caught up in the decorations and the festivities and we can be upset that we feel like secularists are trying to secularize our country mm-hmm. but I guess the bigger question is, are we as Christians doing that in practice? Are we mm. secularizing and right. and then we're, we're not even aware of it? Right. You know, right. I think that's the, that's the bigger question. I have always said and I will continue to say that, um, you know, you be the leader. I think in every situation mm-hmm. uh, the consumer needs to be the leader. Mm-hmm. From, from Jump Street, that's deciding where you're going to shop. Um, AFA has an audio or Nice list, and we've been doing this for a while, where we show you the stores that are um, warming and welcoming. Welcoming is such an overused word, um, but I'm going to use it again later in the show, actually. I was thinking about this as I, <laughs> as I was looking at some stuff this morning, and I thought, um, I'm actually writing the word welcoming. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. But it's a, it's an overused word, but sometimes the word is appropriate to use. Yeah, um, But we do look at the stores that are welcome. celebrating Christmas, who mm-hmm. are actively um, <laughs> shopping in celebration of Christmas. And I think it's important, though, for us to take the lead, not only in deciding where we shop, which, by the way, you can go to AFA.net to find mm. out that list. If you are curious to know which stores um, are not afraid of Christmas, or should I say not embarrassed of Christ, how about that? That's <laughs> probably strong, but right. again, probably appropriate.
2: That's good. Um,
1: but if you want to know that, then you can go to <laughs> AFA.net and mm. find out all the stores that are not embarrassed of Christ. And then you can choose to shop there.
3: <laughs>
2: I said not ashamed. Um,
1: but also, I th- not ashamed. <laughs> They're not ashamed of Christ. You can choose to shop there. Um, also, I would say that Christians need to take the lead wherever it is that we shop. Like, I, yeah. I think that you, we don't need to. Christians, I think, and and I want to get your take on this too, Will. I, yeah. But I think that Christians are too accommodating. Yeah. Like, I think we try so hard to be so well-liked that we end up denying who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. We usually let other people lead in the conversation and then we just take our cues from them. Yeah. When I think we are supposed to be salt and light, which I think falls into the category of being... Leaders, like yeah. we are supposed to be setting an example.
2: Yeah, you think? yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I I feel like we have a, and I, it's sad to say, I think we have a prime example of that. What uh, what's happening with Chick Fil A? Like, I I feel like we are, yeah. you know, we are supposed to, and, and, and it's crazy because it don't even make sense of why you would, you know, do uh, all this gymnastics to try to please someone who you would never ever please because they always want more. No, they're not going to like you. They're never going to like you. But I think, you know, to stand out in this uh, in this environment and say, you know, I represent Christ and I represent, you know, what uh, what the gospel stands for, you know, in the face of this type of uh, uh, culture that we're living in is what Christians do is what we do. Mm -hmm. And we should not back down. We should not, you know, change up or switch things up or try to dumb stuff down because of the culture, because we are the the ones that are supposed to uh, turn the world upside down, not the, the world turned the church upside down.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, I've I said that before. Oh
1: man, that's so true. And I, I, and I think we could take the lead in that. I think, we, you right. know, we can lead with Merry Christmas and, and we can lead with um, acknowledging the reason that we celebrate Christmas. I think again, just to double back to what you said, and then I want to move on to this other story that yeah. I found interesting and get your opinion on it. Um, but I think it's important for us to recognize that it's possible for us as Christians to be, guilty of removing Christ from this season and not feeling like we're doing it because we're doing all of the holiday stuff. You yeah. Know what I mean, because we're doing all of the, all of the Christmassy stuff. Um, but still, you know, Christ could be absent from our observance yeah, of, of this holiday. Yeah, If that makes sense. It's
2: been commercialized, you know, and we have to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap, you know, of the co- commercialism, you know, of this season and that we remember uh, Christ because that's what that's what we, we're we celebrating yeah. you know and I think in a time where you know it's it's, it's great to give gifts and all that kind of stuff and to to do that mm-hmm. but sometimes you can get so consumed you know with the giving of gifts and the receiving of gifts that you forgive forget about the gift that was given you know <laughs> that we can uh, may have may have eternal life you know so I think uh as this time as this season is here we have to you know recalibrate our minds and 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 make sure that we're thinking about uh the right things you know what i'm saying because it's so easy to get caught up and yeah. swept up in 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 this season and 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 all the things that it entail
1: yeah so i would just encourage our listeners to be proactive in your shopping if however you choose to celebrate but to first make it your your personal goal and objective for you and for your family Amen. To And this sounds so cliche, but to truly keep Christ in Christmas, like to understand (laughs) what it is that you are remembering and to teach your kids to understand that and and to remember the reason that we celebrate. But also in your shopping, if you want to shop at stores that are not ashamed Mm -hmm. of the reason for this this holiday, um, this season. This Christmas, just trying to find all these to say it without making it rhyme, but it's just it's just impossible. So I'm just I'm just, I'm just going to have yeah. to go with it. Yeah. He is the reason for the season. Go ahead, you guys, put that up on your church marquee because it's new, it's innovative, <laughs> it's cutting edge. You've never seen that before. Um, Anyways, but you can go to AFA.net, AFA.net, and um, check out the Naughty or Nice list and see which retailers are doing what as it pertains to Christmas. Now, I want to try to squeeze this in in this segment and get your take on it. So I was reading this article actually before um, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I thought it was so interesting. And and I I mean, I don't disagree with it, but I want to share it with you and then get your take on it. So uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, people know them, the Gettys, right? Mm-hmm. They're like uh, right. modern day hymn writers. Yeah. And um, I mean... Keith Getty wrote in Christ Alone. I mean, it's just you know wonderful people. We've I've actually um, met them in person and interviewed them. Uh, Kristen Getty gave me a recipe when I was doing my recipe club. Remember her Irish bread?
2: Mm. I don't remember that, but yeah,
1: I don't know if you I don't know if you remember the Irish bread. Okay, well anyway, it was a, it was an Irish bread recipe that she gave me and we made okay. it, and of course I failed because it's baking. So <laughs> Keith Getty is warning the church. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Keith Getty is warning church leaders about the modern worship movement which he describes as one of cultural relevance Mm. that he says is utterly dangerous and is contributing to the de-Christianizing of God's people, which are all really strong words to describe our modern-day worship songs. Uh, In an interview with the Christian Post, Keith Getty said that many many modern worship songs focus on emotionalism rather than sound doctrine and scriptural truth. Mm. This, he said leads to a generation ill-equipped to understand and defend the Christian faith. Mm. Um, I'm going to quote him here. He says, an authentic generation doesn't begin with catharsis. He says, it has to begin with an authentic picture of the God of the Bible. And then he went on, he said, over 75% of what are called the great hymns of the faith talk about eternity, heaven, heaven hell and the fact that we have peace with god yet he says less than five percent of modern worship songs talk about eternity mm. many many he says of our modern worship songs are focused on this earth
0: mm. hmm. yeah. when
1: you look at the kinds of worship songs that we're singing today would mm. you agree or disagree with that statement
2: I would agree. I, I would agree in the sense of you know. I think a lot of a, a lot of the songs are centered around us. You know, on our trip we listened to a lot of music coming and going. We had you know mm-hmm. like hours and hours of driving. So there has there has some very good songs though. I would say there are some songs I you know some mm-hmm. artists that I hadn't heard of that you know, our daughters like, you know, and I was like, man, this this is some good stuff. But there were there was a lot of other things that did seem pretty like me centered and, you know, mm-hmm. um and, and it sounded good sonically, but the when you got to the content of the message it was, you know, what things were pretty much about them.
1: Yeah, and I think that it leads to a great conversation when you're listening, um, to yeah. be able to insert Actual theology, (laughs) or to just be able to avoid it altogether. Yeah. Um, No, I. But I don't disagree with him, though. I think we do see an increase in this in the music today. It's it's me focused rather than Christ focused. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Good theologically sound (laughs) I mean now that's thanks Phil feels like hold on a second before you guys make all millennials like theologically unsound feels like I have cool hair and biblically orthodox theology in my music I got a
2: Christmas album too he does have a Christmas album
1: Phil Wickham has a Christmas album we listen to it on vacation yeah he does it's it's good it's good you know I don't know I just get I just it's a it's a it's a great album. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, he's got one of those lovey dovey though Christmas songs on there.
2: They all do, huh?
1: I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't know. I just.
2: <laughs> do you notice know, that, like how most artists have a song? Well, a lot of it's them. It's almost have like a song there's gotta be one song or...
1: that's personal, and that's there's good. Nothing like wrong with that. love, no, no, right. You're it right. may
2: make your your preteen freak out. Like oh,
1: My kids, our this? kids, they just go crazy. They're like, ew. What a, what that's because they're Whoa. immature.
0: They yeah, I guess
1: that's true. They they don't like they public said displays you and of we affection. Hug. I mean, they, come on. Right. It's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, it's just a major switch that we're that we're enduring right now. Anyway, what we tell them, that whenever they see us hug, they uh-huh. should be reassured. Yeah. Like, we tell them, this is a good thing for you. Because knowing that your parents like each other ensures that you're going to have a stable upbringing. Like, this is a good thing. They don't get
2: it. But you know what's crazy? Even the three-year-old, we call them blockers. Blocker. So he's a a blocker. (laughs) He's a blocker. So if we're hugging, he'll try to come and and separate us. Well, he's trying to get in on the hug, really.
1: He starts trying to get in on the hug, but but trying to don't respond, then he separates. Like, what are you doing? The Bible warns against that. No, I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing discord. No, I'm just yeah, it's <laughs> separating close friends. Like the Bible warns
1: against that. We're going to have to train him better. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you spending some time with us on a regular basis. We are looking at what's happening in the culture. Um, we we are looking at some of the trends that we feel like affect the church and affect the people of God, and so that's what that's our area of interest. And whatever falls under that category, that's what we're discussing. Today, we're going to take a look at a New York Times article. The headline is that the fertility rate in the U.S. um, has hit a record low. And these are numbers from 2018. Mm -hmm. And so as I was looking at this, as reading this article, and then kind of doing some cross-referencing with some other things that I, I was aware of historically, as we've been watching the birth rate decline in the United States of America, we've been issuing these warnings um, there, was, there was a pause for a few years um, in issuing the warning that, hey, the birth rate is dipping, the birth rate is dipping, um, and then the focus turned toward, you know, there's all different types of families, and so then you right. can't be talking about there being all different types of families, even families that it's impossible for them to reproduce, and then also lament the declining birth rate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that causes a conflict, so then the declining birth rate gets ignored, So what this tells me, if the New York Times has written an article on this, it tells me that we are in a very scary place that Mm. the reproduction rate in the United States of America cannot be ignored. Um, Because before it was popular to talk about all different kinds of families and all different types of makeups and families and all those things, (laughs) um, we were warning people and saying, hey, you, you need to have more children. You know, every person, every woman needs to, in her lifetime, um, have like two point five kids or two kids. You know, one and then another <laughs> right. or something. You know, whatever. Um, if we get a, we get to one point two, then you know we're in trouble. That kind of thing. I never understood and the
2: points, but go ahead.
1: I know. <laughs> what, what is two point five? I think it's I think it's like expecting, I okay. think, or something like that. Right. I don't know. I somebody gave me an explanation for it <laughs> um, because please know that they don't eat like point five. <laughs> right. I mean, (laughs) I feel like
2: complete. Yeah. I
1: I feel like the kid (laughs) is give me my full percentage points. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, I don't eat like I'm 0.5. But no. So, so here we are now We're we were warned about the declining birth rate. Then we ignored it. And I think we ignored it out of convenience Mm. because it's inconvenient to talk about the need to reproduce when you are also celebrating families that can't. Right. Mm. And, and I don't mean because, you know, biologically, um, they could, but then, you know, maybe there's there's an ailment or there's something that's going on that right. has made reproduction difficult. No, I mean, biologically, they cannot. They they physically cannot reproduce. So those are the families that we were celebrating and continue to celebrate. So I'm saying that with the New York Times running this article, um, it says to me that we're in worse shape than we realize. Mm. And so my question, whenever I look at situations like this, you know, these are obviously secular headlines. Right. I always kind of go back to, so what does this say about the church, right? What does this say about the body of believers? Are we making a difference where we live? And, and what I was thinking about was, you know, the great warning for every Christian is to maintain our fidelity to Christ. No matter where we are, no matter what areas we live in, no matter what nation we live in, our first and foremost allegiance must be to Jesus Christ and the principles of the scriptures, right? right? Like that's got to be our greatest distinction. But I think for us in the United States of America, this has been really difficult to do. And Will, you've made this point. And man, the first time that you ever said this to me, I just thought it was a profound point. um, Because we look at our country sort of growing up alongside Christianity, right? And so a lot of people... Conflate Christianity with American culture, yeah, and and kind of intertwine those two. The danger in that is that when American culture goes through a shift, then Christian culture mm-hmm. does too. That's
2: not. Good. That's what
1: makes that really dangerous, right. right? Versus if you understand that you live in a country, but your first and foremost identity is Christian. Then if that country changes, if the culture of that country changes, no matter how it changes, right, mm-hmm. um, you remain constant because your allegiance is to Christ. Amen. And this is what we're always saying. Yeah, But this yeah. is really difficult when people are like, they don't understand that to be distinct as a Christian in America does not mean that you don't also fight for American values, that you don't also fight for patriotism. And, and we appreciate and we love our country because you've got people on two ends of the spectrum. Like when you, when you say... You're fighting for, your, for the distinction of what it is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got, you know, those who hate this country who are like, yeah, you know, and you're like, no, 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 but I'm still a patriot. Like, <laughs> right. And so they don't understand that. But then the, you've got people on the other side of the spectrum. They mm-hmm. hear you say that and they're like, no, God and country.
2: Mm-hmm. And they
1: put mm-hmm. it on the same plane. Right. It's not God and country. It's mm-hmm. God and country
2: mm-hmm.
1: and saints. That cannot be our profession we've got to be God first we've got to understand that there is the city of man and the city of God like we've got to understand that there is something completely different than what we are living in right now that this is temporal right we have a we have a duty to occupy we have a duty to be good citizens wherever it is that we live so we understand the laws of our land we saw this with the apostle Paul he understood what it was um to be a Roman citizen right Mm -hmm. he he um you know uh Completed his case, he wanted to go all the way to Caesar. We understand this when we look for at scripture pro- for the
2: promotion of the gospel. Though.
1: For the promotion of the it gospel, wasn't amen. So I
2: can get in front of Caesar and show him how much I, you know, right. I, I, I'll gain it wasn't any, for power. Yeah, I'll gain any political, you know, power from it. It was for the a- advance of the kingdom,
1: proliferation of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom. That's right. That's a, and that's an excellent point. So I, you know, so so to that point, when we're looking at what it is to live distinct lives in the United States of America. There should be something different that's happening in the country, um, in this country, as it pertains to Christians. So what I think, like when I read a story like this, I I would expect that there would be a breakdown, Mm. that they would say that the birth rate is declining among women. Right. And that it's troubling. Mm. But there is a glimmer of hope because among Christian women, the birth rate continues to increase. Mm. Right. The birth rate continues to rise. But that is not what we're seeing. Mm. So I was looking at a Pew Research study just by comparison, and the birth rate among Christian women mm-hmm. is declining,
0: mm-hmm. right? So
1: when you say that the birth rate in America mm. is declining, there's no exception, mm. right? It's, it's not that among Christian women, the birth rate is increasing. Um, but I will tell you this, and, and I think that every Christian woman, every Christian family needs to think about this. Mm. There is one exception. And it is among Muslim women.
2: I was just about to ask you if that research said anything (laughs) because it seems like what Muslims do and I, you know, and I'm saying this from a distance watching is Mm -hmm. that when they're in a culture, they don't like begin to convert to that, you know, that culture, you know, they keep, they try to keep their same, what, what they're about, you know, as they're living in wherever they're living. And so if they, if they, if they believe that, having children is to their advantage they're going to continue like I haven't seen personally a, a Muslim family when I'm out and about that has like less than four children no. I haven't seen personally no right and right like it's
1: it's rare to see that and the numbers that. bear it out wow. the numbers bear out that Muslim families are growing and increasing and in every country in into which they they move um they begin to take over that population Uh, Not by force, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just by growth, just by birth and just by reproduction. And it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that um, when when you look at the scriptures and this is, again, just to double back to why it's so important for us to maintain our distinction as Christians is because the Bible never called us to take note of the culture and keep up with it. Come on. Right. Like if the Lord Man. has said to us to be fruitful and multiply, then that is his command. That that's means right. that if it falls out of vogue in the United States of America, that that means that Christian women don't start taking their cues f- because of that or and, from that. And, and
2: that's what happens. Yeah. When you are so tied into a certain culture, you know, when like you said earlier, when that culture begin to shift, you know, you begin to shift because in, in, in America, big families was a norm at one time. Yeah. You know. And so when those things begin to shift, you know, if you're so intertwined into that culture and, you know, that you're not holding fast to what maybe the word of God is saying about, you know, reproduction and everything, then you begin to shift towards where your culture is going. And that's not what we do as Christians.
1: No, it's absolutely not. And, you know, I I think that there should be we we have enough history under our belt to look at, I guess, what would be a warning from Europe, like what we Mm. see kind of uh, begun in Europe it seems to be a matter of time before it spreads to the United States of America, you know? So we look at our churches, secularizing, we look Mm -hmm. at our um, institutions of higher learning, secularizing, all of this stuff began in Europe and we were trying to hold it off. In fact, there are missionaries, you know, going into uh, different countries in Europe to try to, to help um, because we were kind of holding the line, but now we have kind of broken formation here in the United States of America. And so what is happening is what, we saw once, and we said, oh, poor Europeans. Now it's it's poor Americans. I mean, mm. for example, man, I was I was looking. There's a PBS um, story that I was looking at yeah, where, like, um, Italy, Italy yeah. is in such oh dire straits that they're now trying to think of how to incentivize families. How can we get families to have children?
2: And we've seen this in other places, too, where there's been incentives. I, I don't remember exactly where, but... They were like the government, you know, wanted so bad for people to have kids that they'll give days off and stuff like this, you know, to incentivize people having children.
1: Oh, man. Was that like Switzerland or something like exactly that? Like, I, I that's that's familiar to me. That's yeah. familiar to me. I remember reading that or hearing about that recently. But like in Italy right now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the, I was looking at this story. There's a, a couple of small towns, one in particular, where um, in all of the town, like I think last year there were like five babies born in the whole year and it's such a big deal that the church bells ring ring. every (laughs) time there's a baby born because they're so few and far between and so i look at that and i say now here's the thing though and and i think we need to have this conversation Mm -hmm. we're not saying that everybody needs to be a dugger
2: right (laughs) right 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 like right
1: i mean like no one is saying that you need to be 18 and counting to show that you believe that what God said is wise because he said, be fruitful and multiply. Right. 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 And in fact, it's amazing because this is one of those commands that he kind of reiterates after the flood. Right. Like when Noah and his Mm. family get off, they're told again. It's like a reestablishment kind Mm -hmm. of a thing where you say, "Okay." and I still meant that what I said.
2: Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like,
1: yes, (laughs) I have destroyed all of creation. I have spared only you eight. But here again, what I said in the beginning, I'm saying again, Mm -hmm. be fruitful and multiply. And I I feel like we found ways to dodge this. But I think what's happening in the United States of America is that we reach this point where the Lord just kind of. Allows us to walk in our perception of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Right. So we say, well, you know, the economy is not good. So we had a recession in 2007, 2008, and there was an expected dip in the birth rate. But what usually happens is that the birth rate is supposed to come back up. Right. Mm -hmm. So after you come out of the recession, the birth rate is supposed to come back up. Everybody's well, every, everybody's happy, they feel secure and safe, and, and they stuff. feel financially secure yeah. and safe. And so, you know, I mean, hello, baby boomers, all of you guys have this story, right? This is your story <laughs> post the depression. OK, um, so that's what's supposed to happen. But what we're finding, at least according to this information from 2018, what we're finding is that we are not experiencing this uptick in the fertility rate or in the, the birth rate in the United States of America. In fact, what they're also finding is that men and women are getting married later. Mm -hmm. So women are putting off having children. So in the area, like if you break this down, like demographers are looking at this and they break this down by the age of women. And and historically, uh, women would have most women would have children um, around 21, 22. That's the kind of the the average age for women to have children. For men, it was like 23, 24, that kind of thing. Now for women, it's at 25, and Mm. for men, it's at 28, but that number is going up. So millennials are waiting to have children. Now they're in their 30s, and so where there was one glimmer of hope in the birth rate is among women in their late 30s, early 40s. Mm. The interesting thing about that is that the longer you wait to have children, the more you are, quote-unquote, at At risk. At risk, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we live in a culture where we have kind of glorified a type of selfishness that looks like advancement. Mm. It doesn't look selfish because it looks like you're doing the best, you know, for society. Right. But the best for society is to be married, to settle down, and to have children. Amen. God is infinitely wise. That's right. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back.
3: are the building blocks of civilization. They are personal relationships, but they greatly shape and serve the public good. Strong families make for strong communities. Conversely, family breakdown harms society as a whole. That's why America's declining marriage rate is a real problem. While on the surface this might not seem like an issue that you and I need to care about, the decline in marriage has a significant impact on each and every one of us from the amount of taxes we pay to the level of crime in our neighborhoods. How do we know? Well, decades of statistics have shown that on average, married couples have better physical health, more financial stability, and greater social mobility than unmarried people. Other studies show that the children of those couples are more likely to experience higher academic performance, emotional maturity, and financial stability than children who don't have both parents in the home. The social and economic cost of family breakdown is paid by everyone. Studies show divorce and unwed childbearing cost taxpayers over $110 billion each year. But the real victims are children. Children raised in single-parent homes are statistically more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, exhibit poor social behaviors, and commit violent crimes. They're also more likely to drop out of school. And when it comes to fighting poverty, there is no better weapon than marriage. In fact, marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. So what can and should be done? Well, when it comes to public policy, one way government can help is by eliminating the marriage penalty. That's the part of the tax code where two people are taxed more if they're married than if they're single. Second. Government assistance programs should provide temporary help to families in need, not welfare that spans generations. For too long, these programs have encouraged the formation of single-parent families by taking the place of bread-winning fathers or mothers. But more family-friendly public policies like these are only part of the solution. Civil society, including community organizations, schools and places of worship, must do its part. Make sure the next generation understands the hard facts about the benefits of marriage and the cost of broken families. Armed with that knowledge, people can make better choices. Marriage remains America's strongest anti-poverty, anti-crime, pro-health institution. It's an undeniable fact that the best chances for financial success, emotional well-being, and good health for both parents and children happen when the parents are married and families are intact.
1: Mm. I mean, it would just make sense. Yeah. God is wise. Marriage is His idea. Right. Like right. the the family is His idea. The structure of it is it's His idea. Right. You know. And and I would go a step further. Thanks to the Heritage Foundation for that that video, by the way. Um, but I would just go a step further and just say, man, you know, it's it's our responsible our responsibility as Christians to pass on to our children the importance and value of marriage and children, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think we begin passing on a concept of marriage and children to our children before we even begin to do it intentionally. Mm. So what what I would say, well, first let me say this. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And I think that was Cam. Yeah, that was Cam. That was Cam. Okay, Sherry B. You is over better. in Studio CC. If, if, if you want to weigh in on our conversation today, you can do that by calling 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can comment on um, Keith Getty and his commentary on worship music today. If you want to comment on the declining birth rate in the United States of America, um, you can do that as well, 888-589-8840. I think Christians have the responsibility to begin Um, before we even realize that we're communicating to our kids the importance, the value, and the worth of children, um, we we have the responsibility to do that in our families. So what I mean by that is that you don't sit down and say, hey, now you need to get married and you need to have children. No, our children are watching us, and they are deciding based on what we present to them whether or not marriage is something they even want to get into, right? Mm. Like, are we presenting to them this idea (laughs) that, Oh, my goodness, this old ball and chain. You know what I mean? Like, you know, (laughs) like, are we are we just like, you know, always having had a slice of lemon before we talk to one another in our families? Like, do we enjoy each other's (laughs) each other's company? And do our kids have this sense of being a burden when they're around us? And that's what they're going to get
2: from the outside sources in the media. And, you know, I mean, entertainment and stuff like that. It doesn't hold a high view of marriage. So we in the home, we we set that that mark, you know
1: exactly right and and i so here is my challenge my challenge is to the household of faith you know when the body of believers gather together like when we are all in one place do we have a distinction in the way that we function something that sets us apart from the world in other words do we are we saying to the kids in our midst that you are welcomed and that's where the mm. word welcoming comes in cuz we're having all these conversations about creating welcoming spaces right yeah. but my question is are we welcoming of children in our right. midst like do right. we treat children in church like oh you know we can't wait to be done with you you know i i said recently i was speaking at a women's event and i said recently that i mean look if you've got a church that everything is, is quiet and in order and you never have to worry about babies crying or children needing to be taken out or anything like that. If, you're, if your church is everything is neat and we don't have any of those issues,
2: mm-hmm.
1: chances are, you know, chances are you have a dying church. That's true. You understand what I'm saying? Like when, when we talk about the birth rate and us needing to reproduce, um, we're not just talking about Social Security, We're not just talking about being able to take care of the elderly and and have a strong workforce. These are all the social ills of a birth rate that is in decline. Just ask Japan. Just ask Russia, right? Mm. This is what they're dealing with right now. And so now they're trying to see how they can outsource humans or, you know, (laughs) farm in humans, all right? Immigration. So how do we get more people into our country because we're not making more people within our own borders? But I think for the Christian we have a bigger problem, and that problem is not workforce. It's not care for the elderly. Um, it's not social security and all of those things. No, our bigger problem is that our faith proliferates first within the context of family.
2: That's right. That's right. So
1: when Peter stands up in Jerusalem and he's like, you know, this message is for you, for your children, and for those who are afar off. Mm-hmm it only stands to reason that the enemy is going to attack any and all of those those those, um,
2: those categories
1: entities, if you will. Right. <laughs> yeah. All of those categories. Right. Right. And so where I think he's been most effective has been in the destruction of the family mm-hmm. and also this disdain that we have for children. Guys, mm-hmm. um, we're going to the phone lines here, but I want to make this statement. I get some of the nastiest looks from people that I bet sit in church pews on Sundays mm-hmm. when I show up at a store with our five kids. Mm. Some of the nastiest looks people make better faces when you're walking around with a pet than they do when you're walking around with children.
2: And, and as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, where do we get that? Where does where that mindset coming from? Because if we're holding to the scriptures, all we see in the Bible is that children are a blessing. Psalm 127.
1: You know, Psalm all we see
2: is good things about a heritage and children and a legacy and all, and all these things. So this must uh these things must come from the culture that we live in that we've allowed to infiltrate even our church the mm-hmm. way that we do church you know mm-hmm. and and we have to step back and say man have we been in, been influenced by where we're living right now you know and, and and have taken on that mindset as opposed to what the bible says
1: mm, and that's dangerous that's dangerous yeah. that's the danger of letting any type of distinction or any kind of what you would define as who you are mm-hmm. letting those things take top billing over being a Christian. Right, right? Right? It makes you ineffective in the culture. All right, let's go to the phone lines 888-589-8840. Will the great. Where do we go first?
2: Let's go to Paul in Pennsylvania. Hi Paul.
0: Hi there. How are you doing today? Doing great. I'm I'm enjoying your show. I uh I want to relate to you. I'm I'm 82. I got uh, four grown children who are in their 50s and six grandchildren. Wow! But be, before I was married, I said to a, a lady who happened to be a pastor's wife at church one Sunday morning, "Are you all ready for Santa?" She said, "We don't have Santa at our house," and I that was it was foreign to me. And I've said, "Well, why is that?" She said, well, when they told the little boy there was no Santa, the little boy said, I guess there's no Jesus either. Mm. Ooh, Paul.
2: Paul, OK,
1: wow. so since we're all since we're all sharing. That look, let me tell you something. That is an excellent point, Paul. And I'll just jump in and I'll say this. Um, we made the decision mm-hmm. not to do that to our kids. Mm-hmm. So. Early on, we decided that if we were exchanging gifts or we were doing it, we were not pretending we were not we're not doing Santa Mm -hmm. and we're not doing Easter Bunny. And I'm going to tell you why, because we knew that as we dug into the Bible with them, we were going to be reading to them some incredibly fanciful tales. (laughs) <laughs> and we did not want them to be confused that these were fairy tales we wanted them to understand that these were actual biblical accounts Amen. and so we had to tell them the truth we didn't want them to question our integrity and so we made the decision to tell them the truth now look i'm not saying that everybody's got to do that but to paul's point you might consider it because your kids really doubt your integrity when you lie to them and you call it fun yeah like i mean You're right
2: anyway i'm sorry where do we go next will the great let's go to janet in pineville louisiana
0: hi janet Hi, how are you all doing? Doing great. Hello. That's good. I um I enjoy listening at you all and I just started listening to AFR uh this year, about the middle part of summer. Okay. Thank you. And you you as as Christians and as children of God I can appreciate you all being honest and speaking the speaking the word from the Bible. And as a child as a Christian we shouldn't we shouldn't waver, we should stand on the word of God and Amen. uh stand for the truth. Amen. And what I wanna talk about is uh the government and uh living on uh assistance. You know, it's okay for the use that for a temporary thing but mm. not to live on it uh like some families have for generation after generation. Mm. And mm. I had a I had a child, uh, he was born in seventy two and um you know, I was born in '53, but anyway, he was born in '72, and I went to California when he was a year and a half. So I come back home in '89 to be with my mom and dad, which they are deceased now. But I was, um, I was, um, uh, I had applied for for food stamps, and during '95 and '96 and '97, you had to go to go go and work for free. <laughs> or either you had to be going to a, going uh, going to school, taking up some kind of, you know, class or something mm-hmm. in order to get food stamps.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: you know, it, it. A lot of people they need to realize and when 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 things happen, it's okay to use that for emergency, but mm-hmm. not to just live on it and depend on the government to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And and about those democratics. That's that's the way they want to brainwash people to be uh to depend on that in real life and that you can do better and uh turn from the world and give your give your life to God amen and like the bible and like my dad was telling me from uh the early part of 2000 until until uh, '06 when he uh died uh you serve God serve God Janet and he'll take care of you Amen. So I can appreciate my dad still talking to me in 05 and telling me that because he knew that I had made it over. Mm-hmm. But I've been reading the Bible and I've been mm-hmm. sick with fungus infection over my body since 13, cutting my ingrown toenails and it was bleeding. So, Jeanette, let me um, say this. Let me just I jump
1: just in. Say- and want to. I want to I wanna add to the point that you're making here while I can. There is a lot that we endure in a society because of rebellion against Mm -hmm. God's standards. Mm -hmm. And if you read in the scriptures, you look at the biblical model, you look at God's design for this body that he has created because of Jesus Christ. There is a body of believers. We are the bride of Christ. There are ways that we would be able to live together and be a blessing to one another where we would never be looking to quote unquote Caesar. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like right. we, would, we would live honorably. We would, you know, pay taxes to whom taxes are due. You know, we would do all of the things that we're supposed to do as faithful citizens living in any country, living in any culture. But there are needs that we wouldn't have if we submitted ourselves to the lordship of, the, of, of Jesus Christ. You look at Second Thessalonians and Paul's warning to the Thessalonica church, a Thessalonican church that, hey, listen, you guys don't be idle. If a man won't work, then he shouldn't eat. So you're not gonna have freeloaders. Also, the Apostle Paul talking about how to take care of the elderly, right? How are parents supposed to be cared for by their children? Right? So if you've got a if you've got a widow, she better be a true widow. And there's a way that we define That's that. Right. There's a way that we categorize that. That's right. When we move away from God's standard, we have all kinds of resulting chaos. Yep. A welfare system, a welfare state is the result of a rejection of God's wisdom. Point blank, period. Because even if a person would fall on hard times living in community in the body of Christ, we should be able to meet each other's needs. That's right. And we have the best way to measure what an actual need is versus a want. Right, right. <laughs> the government can't do that. All right, we're out of time. Thanks so much for listening to Aaron and the Addison's. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.